Welcome to Hearts Unleashed, a personal and professional development podcast. We are raising the frequency of humanity through emotional intelligence. Life coach, best-selling author, and speaker Abigail Gazda interviews amazing humans from all industries, sharing inspiration and insight about thriving as your most authentic self. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, the money mindset series, you guys. I am so excited. I hope you're enjoying this. I also hope you're sharing this. You know, uh, I think we've realized over the last, you know, year or so that we might not be prepared financially to uh, succeed or we might not be prepared to succeed financially. And I think that has come up over the year where people are being sent home, people's uh, being furloughed, uh, losing jobs, you know, all these different things. And then that emergency fund or having a savings, I think that it's been in a very awakening year for many of us, especially our financial status. And today we are here to talk all about debt. Debt is a thing that is not new in this most recent year of uh, 2020, the pandemic, the, you know, all the different circumstances that we've been facing, but debt is a longstanding and also maybe even now socially acceptable uh, thing that occurs in life. And, uh, you know, especially right out of school, it's kind of the rat race. We enter immediately and now we, and then we're stuck to figure it out. And so today, Michelle Schween and I are committed to having a really in-depth conversation around debt, understanding debt, making a plan around debt, feeling empowered and having an exit strategy. And so Michelle, I would just love to start by welcoming you back on. She is our money coach. She is our, uh, she's the brains here. So welcome back, Michelle. (laughs) Hi, thank you for having me again. Yes, yes. So um, we are going to dive in, but Michelle, I would just love to, you know, this is a lesson on debt. And last week we were talking about the top 10 mistakes you're making with money. So you guys, if you haven't been tuning into this series and this happens to be the first episode that you've heard, please head back and tune into our first two episodes, which was about money mindset and mastery and management. And then we talked about those top 10 mistakes, but here we're going to talk about a lesson on debt. So Michelle, opening this up, how would you explain just a lesson on debt? Like, what are we doing here? Well, as Americans, we've gotten ourselves into quite a big amount of debt. I mean, the average household has $145,000 worth of debt. $145,000. That's a lot of debt. I was going to say, it it makes me want to go right to our first point, which is like, because like 145, I'm like, where does all that come from? Is like the lesson on like good debt and bad debt and like what debt is debt is debt, (laughs) you know, keep going. I didn't mean to cut you off, but like uh, that number shook my roots. So keep going. Right? Yeah, it should shake your roots. I mean, that's a big number. And I think it starts just like you said, it starts with student loans and then the rat race begins and it's it's keeping up with our friends and, and going out when maybe we don't have the money to be going out. So we put it on a credit card and um, the next thing you know, that credit card balance is growing faster than we can pay it off and it just gets out of hand. Um, I, you know, everybody talks about good debt and bad debt, and I almost don't like to call it that. 
there really mm-hmm. isn't any good debt, really. <laughs> yeah. But in order to survive in this world, you know, a lot of times we have to take on debt. We maybe can't afford to pay for your college education without taking on some debt. So for me, I feel like a college education is is worth going into debt for, but it doesn't mean you have to go to the most expensive school. You can get an education for much less than we think. There's this you know, stigma that you have to go to an Ivy League or you have to go to the top college. A lot of times you can get just as good of an education at your local community college, or you can go there for the first couple of years and then transfer. You don't have to go to the top school. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. But yes, yeah, so we we sometimes have to take on debt for school, right? And the other kind of debt that I feel like isn't terrible is owning a home. You know, for the most part, when you buy a home, I mean, anywhere you, any research you do, home values usually tend to go up. It's usually a good investment. Um, and, you know, you've got to have a roof over your head and nine times out of 10, a home mortgage is less than what you'd be paying in rent. So, you know, it's a long-term investment and it's usually gaining in value. So the things that I see as bad debt, quote unquote bad debt, are things that aren't gaining value, like a car. The minute you drive a brand new car off the lot, it decreases in value. You're almost immediately upside down, right? It's going down in value, but you're paying interest on it. And you're paying all this money for this car that is ultimately going down in value. And other things like, you know, your credit card debt, you're paying this month for what you did last month. And you're ultimately taking away from your future self by accumulating more and more debt. The funny thing is, I I love this saying by Dave Ramsey. He says um, something along the lines of, stop spending money you don't have to impress people you don't even like, right? I mean, we end up in all this credit card debt. And what have we got to show for it? Oh, we went out to dinner with that girl that I don't even really like her. And I ended up spending way more and she wouldn't even split the bill. I had to pay for her when she had five drinks and I didn't have any. It's those silly things that, what are you going in debt for that for? So many great points in what you were sharing. And you guys stay tuned because she mentioned interest and we are going to, we're going to have a little lesson on interest too. But, you know, I think that, It's so interesting the way that one debt has mostly been normalized in our culture. And it's one of those top 10 mistakes we were talking about last week, which is that uh, financial illiteracy or generational poverty, right? So I get that many of our parents like haven't raised us to save for college. So I would agree with like what you're saying, like there is, I, and thank you for saying there is no good debt period. Let's start there. And there are some things that we were kind of talking last week, even about living within your means or not, you know, overshooting your budget. And so I think that that's important, but when it comes to debt for school, I have a lot of opinions about that because one, I think that mostly, um, college is a societal norm at this point where kids are going to school undecided and taking on debt that most people are not using their degree. And so like for me, the idea, like just one more piece of that good debt is go to school when 
you know what you want to do or when the career that you know that you or think you know you want requires a college education, right? Because you could do a lot of things without a college education, even in today's world. A for example was I remember being a corporate manager and on the resume or on the um, job description, it required a bachelor's degree. But you better believe that there were managers that didn't have a bachelor's degree because they were qualified, because they had that work ethic or because they were able to prove themselves and show their capabilities, right? And so um, I do think that in many examples, you can still get a very, have a great living with either a specialized uh, education, right? Like trade school or um, you're, you know, uh, without even having to go or without with getting a certain certificate or whatever that might be required of us. So I think that that's super important to say too, is like, if you're going to go to college and take on that debt, make sure you know what you're going for, not because of the pressure of what being a college graduate looks, sounds, and feels like, or having some certificate that finally says you're good enough. So thank you. Thank you so much for saying about that. And then, um, like the same thing with a house is, most of us, like inside of our salary, I love that you said a mortgage is actually usually less than rent, right? And so I think that that's so valuable and that there's a lot of us who haven't been taught how to save. And like with Dave Ramsey, I love how he says, like, know what you want to get and then budget paying that, but paid into a bank account and be ready to pay in full in cash. But the thing is, you guys, when we go next week into like Money 101 and we go into Money Mastery, like we're going to continue this series and and talk about actually being ahead of your money game. Like Michelle said, being upside down when you buy a car, you know, we're not planning ahead. Therefore, we're not like budgeting that payment into our normal budget. So we can never get ahead because if all of a sudden you decide I want to buy a house, that probably means you need to save for five to 10 years to buy it in cash. And who has that kind of like patience or again, working it into your budget while renting or, you know, I was just jamming out on a lot of what you said. What would you have to say or add to that, Michelle? (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think we're taught all of those things. Um, it's funny because when you were talking about that, a lesson came up that I did with my daughter and a couple of my friends thought that I was so mean or crazy or whatever, but she really wanted an Xbox. And I forget, I think she was like nine years old or 10 years old. And in our house, you just don't go out and buy those things. It was like, I don't know, I want to say $400 or something at the time. And so we told her, we're like, you have to save your money. And she was like, okay. And she came up with this plan and she was like, I've got a birthday coming up and I'm going to ask grandma for money towards my Xbox. And then I've got, you know, this in my savings account and I've got pennies over here. And I got to tell you, there was nothing more gratifying than watching her go up to the cash register at the uh, Microsoft store. She had her pennies. She literally brought rolls of pennies. I was like, telling the guy at the cash, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But (laughs) she was like so happy and so proud of herself to pay for it herself. She had saved and she had, you know, given up birthday presents and everything else, but she paid for it herself. And there was something really rewarding about that. And no, nobody teaches us that anymore. It's just not part of our society. It's all now, now, now. I want it now. It's instant gratification And no one gives a second thought to what it means down the line with the mounds of debt that we're in. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's something we need to get back to. Yeah. Well, I think that instant gratification piece is just so important because that's not about money. 
that's a behavioral, emotional thing, right? And so, and I I mean, I think that's where a lot of our anxiety comes from, you know, depression and overwhelm. And like you said, being upside down, I love that term, Um, but just really that we need it now. And if we don't, then we don't feel good. And it's leaned so much into that retail therapy uh, concept and, and it's not effective. It is not effective because it is substance abuse. We use money like a substance and to <clears throat> get a hit of relief, get a hit of feeling good, numbing out on the pain that we might be avoiding. And we just apply money or throw money at something or get a thing that will, that feeling, that relief only lasts, you know, maybe from the moment you bought it or for a month that you have it, but ultimately it starts to wear out and and then we need to do it again and again and again. And that's where that credit. Um, and I wanted to say something about credit because we're, we're using the word debt, but I think we get very mixed up that because we qualify for like a thousand, a five thousand, a ten thousand dollar credit card means that we have money and it doesn't. Is there anything you'd like to say about that? Oh, honey, that's just the credit card company making money off of you. Of course, they're going to tell you you qualify, but are they looking at all your other bills? Are they looking at what you pay in rent every month? Are they really looking at your whole picture? No, they're looking at who here's somebody I'm going to get 14.99% interest off of them every month. And you know what? They're going to rack up so much debt. Oh, and then we're going to add on late fees every time they can't make that payment on time. They are in this business to make money off of you, period. It's not philanthropy. (laughs) No, and it doesn't mean that you can afford it. Just because they tell you, oh, you can, you qualify for a $5,000 credit card. No, that doesn't mean that you can afford that. And I mean, I guess this kind of goes right into the next thing is that interest. Okay. So here's the thing. Here's just a really quick example of interest. Let's say you put $15,000 on a credit card. Let's say it's 14.99%. Over seven years, you will have spent $8,876 in interest paying off that card. The total amount for your $15,000 is now $23,676. So that's the thing. You got to, when you're putting those things on credit cards, you really got to think about can I pay this off right away? Or am I going to end up having to pay this for the next five years? And how much is that really going to cost me in interest? Because every time you're only making a portion, like a payment towards a portion of that amount, the next month they're adding interest. Then the next month they're adding interest on top of interest on top of the original amount you spent. So the interest just keeps piling on and piling on and piling on. And ultimately, like in that credit card example, you're not spending $15,000, you're spending $23,000. And in that example, that's only if you spend the $15,000 and never put another thing on that credit card during that time, right? So yeah. if you, that's the thing, whoever does that. So you just buy a $15,000 thing and you just pay that off. No, you take that credit card and then the next month you go out to dinner with it and you buy new clothes with it. So you're constantly adding to that amount and adding interest and before you know it, you're in over your head. And we've all done it. I, I am no saint. I should 
clarify that right now. I've, I've had my share of debt. I have walked out of college with $30,000 of debt. Mm-hmm. It took me 10 years to pay it off. I've been in credit card debt before. I'm not anymore. Um, we're down to just our home. And man, does that feel really good? So yeah, you got to think about not just the instant gratification, but what is this really costing me? Mm. You got to look at the whole picture. So good. So good. And I might have a few more interest questions for you, but I want to talk about the point that you made. 8,000 extra dollars. What would you, if, what would you do with 8,000 extra dollars, right? Like forget the whole payment thing. Like, and this is that saving ahead. Like I could just imagine that if you didn't have to back pay and, and, and in one of these episodes, I was talking about realizing that I was paying, Michelle helped me look at my money and realize I was paying $2,200 a month in debt. Like she said, what I did for what I did last month and last year. And I was kind of thinking about some of those things. And I'm like, yeah, I remember the time I went on that trip and I put my flight on a credit card and I'm still paying for that flight. And it's two years later, right? Like I'm just there. I would play with that in my head. And you were talking about interest, like there's the logistics, but then there's the energetics of interest. Because when I would go to pay my student loans and I realized that out of a $200 payment, $40 was going towards the principal. I wasn't even paying that down. And oh my God, it felt like such a I mean, I'm I'm speaking so loud and so aggressive because like, gosh, that hurts so much. And it's so defeating. By the time I came crawling to Michelle, I was like, I do not know what to do with myself. Like, I'm never going to get out of this. And we are later in this episode, we're going to talk about debt consolidation or exit strategies. But when I met her, I had no exit strategy. I was making the minimum payments and those minimum payments equaled minimal payments. It was all interest. And it was just, there was so much shame included with that. And not only like I was determined to pay and I'm someone who I was literally so fearful around my debt that I thought if I didn't pay my bills, that police were going to come like arrest me or like the feds were going to show up at my door and just like take me away. And so like I was trapped in this paying because I was scared and making absolutely no difference with my debt. And it was such a defeating thing. And so like I struggled with my business because of it. I struggled with self-esteem. It had an effect like on dating or it had an effect on my relationships in general because I definitely felt like I had this really big, ugly secret that I couldn't share. And I equated it as like unsuccessful or irresponsible. And you helped me so much with that, Michelle. Like, what do you see in a lot of all of that? Because I know you help a lot of people with this. You know, it's so common. um, That feeling of just almost despair. Like, how am I ever going to get out of this? But then someone calls and wants to go to dinner and you go. And what do you do? You put it on a card. It's just, it's really hard. It's really hard to look yourself in the mirror and realize the situation that you're in and start to make changes to get out of it. It's hard. And it's hard going to the mailbox when you know that credit card bill is going to be in there. It's, there's so many emotions around it. And gosh, wouldn't it feel great to not have to feel those emotions anymore? Wouldn't it be great to live a different way with your money? Um, the good news is, is that interest works in the same way for savings. So here's the deal. 
you put $100 in the bank and they're going to add interest at the end of the month. And then the next month you add $100 into your savings account. And now they're putting interest on top of the first $100 and the interest and the next $100 that you put in. So just as easily as you can grow debt, you can grow savings. So here's the deal. You go and you pay, you work as hard as you can, you sell things, you you take a side hustle, you do whatever you can to get that debt paid off. Um, and then you start saving. And as quickly as you got into that debt, you can get into savings. It works the same way. It's hard to ever see it that way because again, we're not taught these things but it does. It works the same way. It's a matter of taking those first steps, looking at where you're at with your debt and start coming up with a plan to pay it off. And then, then, like you said, what would you have done with that 8,000? What if you had taken that $8,000 in interest for your credit card and put it into savings instead and let that grow? Mm-hmm. It'd be crazy. It'd be crazy how much money you'd have. That is crazy. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And uh, I think in one of the future episodes, we'll even talk about like how a savings plan, right? Like, cause there's, you could put it in a savings account. You could put it in CDs. You could put it in, you could put it in the stocks. Like there's definitely, definitely different uh, ways to gain interest on your money, right? Like, and so there's options there, but I love, thank you for pivoting our perspective on that because the, I love the same way you accumulate debt. It's the same way you accumulate savings. And I am firsthand, Michelle's the same way but firsthand can say like, I have grown it, the, the momentum that comes behind saving. Like I remember our first goal, save a thousand dollars. And I'm pretty sure it's like up to $13,000 now. And that's like, I love myself. And and that's the, (laughs) I wrote a note here about the self-love that comes with shifting from the debt accumulation to the savings accumulation, because, and we're going to talk about um, making a plan for getting out of debt, but you said something that I thought was really important. And especially in the realm of like, hearts unleashed. When we have debt, like you were talking about, and, and a friend does ask us to go out to eat, we go, but we add to our debt. It's very hard for us to go, you know what? I can't go out because I have no fucking money. Excuse my language, but well, we cuss on this podcast. So in case you ever want to, but um, <laughs> like, I have no money. I can't come. I can't play anymore. And why isn't it okay to tell our friends that? It goes back to that thing. Stop spending money you don't have to impress people you don't even like. Because if that person really liked you, she likes you for you. And if you were able to say to her, hey, you know what? I can't really afford to go out tonight, but why don't you come over and we could make dinner together? Or why don't we make a picnic and go to the park? Yes. Why can't we be honest with our friends and the people who supposedly care about us and like us, why can't we just be honest and say, hey, look, I'm in a spot. I can't do it right now. Yeah. Why can't that be okay? It needs to be okay. I'm so glad that you said that because we don't even know the results that that will produce. So our dishonesty about our debt keeps us in that looping pattern because when I remember, I have a very specific example as my friends, my best friend and her husband and her two-year-old, they're adorable. And they were coming to California to visit. And they're like, we want to do this. We want to do that. Go to Disney. And I said, I will pick you up. I'll drive you. We'll go to Huntington Beach. We'll do this. We'll do that. And I said, 
And listen, I can't come to Disney. Like, it's just not in my budget, right? And and it was scary. And I it actually, like, I remember crying telling her because I was like, I was pretty darn embarrassed. And I said, listen, like, there are days for me, it's gas or groceries. And Disney is not one of those. And like, and you know what she did? She said, I'll get your ticket. We want you to come. And see right there, that's a true friend. That's yeah. a friend who says, it doesn't matter that you can't afford it. Yeah. I can let me pick it up this time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was just so beautiful because we were able to do like, cause I, at that point in my debt and savings plan, like I can do a million things for free, right? Like I can go sit on the ocean. Right. And so there's so many things that we can do for free. So I did, I showed them California in the most local way. Like, look at this, look at that. And like, we didn't have to spend a lot of money and sure we did. We went out to eat once and still she treated. And it was just so, it was like so sweet because I remember cooking or like we went, we also went grocery shopping. That was my favorite um, strategy. Right. So like we made a few meals at home, but we also went out and it was just really, it was really beautiful because it started a brand new conversation about like, how you doing? And with certain family members that I would open to about like my launch that I planned to make, you know, 10,000, I only made 3000 or I, or zero. There were launches that did not sell and I was figuring out what to do for that month, you know, and, and when I would talk to my family members about that, they would say, do you need help? Do you need a job? How can, like, how's it going? Or, you know, there's just certain things that being honest is, is gonna help us progress in this manner. And it has to, like, when I say hearts unleashed, it's like, you are not living authentically. One, if you're lying about your debt. And two, if you're lying and still making more debt, right? Like you are just wrapping a rope around your neck to do that. And it's like constricting and it's overwhelming. And you don't have to live that way. You don't. Thank you for saying so. Yeah, you don't have to live that way. Nobody wants to live that way. Yeah. And so thank you for bringing in that idea of reverse interest. But let's talk about paying off debt. How, Michelle? How? Okay. So, you know, I know I keep going back and back and back to Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey, but he's got a plan that works. And please do. Yeah. So look, check out Dave Ramsey's debt snowball. Um, Basically, what you do is you list your debts from smallest to largest. It's not about the interest rate. You just start with the smallest amount. Okay, so let's say your smallest debt is $200 and your biggest is $10,000. Well, you do everything you can to knock out that $200 debt. You scrape together every penny, you sell things, you, again, take a side hustle, you do whatever you can to knock out that $200 debt. And then the money that you were putting towards that $200 debt each month, now that you've got it paid off, you go to the next debt in your list. And you start throwing all that money plus whatever minimum payment you are making on the second one. You combine that together and you start throwing that at the second one. Before you know it, you start to make this momentum like a snowball rolling down a hill and it starts to get bigger and bigger. So you're throwing bigger and bigger and bigger amounts at your bigger debts. And the reason this works is because once you knock out that small little $200 debt, you're like, yes, I can do this. It starts to feel good. And 
it starts to feel good fast. Whereas if you're trying to chip away at that big one, it's going to feel like, oh my gosh, it's going to take me forever to pay this off. You start to feel defeated and you give up. But if you start with that small one, you knock it out. Then you start to build momentum on the next one. And then you start to build momentum on the next one. I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy because it's not, but it works. It works. It does. And I know you've had your own debt that you've paid off too. So I know like you're speaking from experience. This isn't some textbook stuff, you guys. This is two gals who, and especially one who knows money and finances and another one who just has the spot, <laughs> who just shows up with the energy. But like um, you said the snowball and I want to bring in the idea that it's an emotional snowball right? A same thing that the same way we snowballed it, the same way we snowballed it savings is we were snowballing. It's the momentum that is the snowball, right? And so I, when you were saying that and you were talking about um, chipping away, I remember like if you have five, five accounts that you're paying off and you can knock out one, like I remember one of mine was a medical bill and I was paying $20 a month on it. I called and I asked the balance. It was 140 bucks. You guys, I paid 140 bucks for a lot of different things. So I was just like, here, take 140. And it was done. It wasn't something that was leaking from my bank account and leaking from my energy and leaking from my power anymore. I'm done with that one. And now I went from six accounts to five accounts, right? And then I, it wasn't as overwhelming. And then I took care of that fifth account and I had four accounts. And it, it, it was like, I was finally getting a grip on because when you're, if you go for that big one and you're paying it and one, it doesn't even feel like you're making a dent in it because it is so big and you still have six lingering accounts, golly, it's terrible. But if you've got one big one, you're like, oh yeah, let me just get at it. Right. I I've been saving in a way that I can't wait to write one big fat check and knock that thing out of here <laughs> while still making minimum payments. So I'm making minimum payments on everything, but then like she said, is just throw what you can at one of them. And I think it's so powerful because all of a sudden the experience is I'm actually managing my money. I'm participating in my finances because the way we get into debt mostly is by avoiding our financial circumstances. And so when I was actually staring it dead in the face, I knew what I was up against as opposed to what I was running away from. You can't see when you're running. Looking backwards doesn't help. So um, thank you. And keep mentioning, you know, Dave Ramsey. I think he's brilliant. It is how his plans have helped me. Very inspiring. I encourage everybody. We talked about that last week too, is like, go follow him. Go, go to Instagram, go to Facebook, go to his website. He's got lots of plans. And, and we have, you know, we've got this series and we're coming up um, on April 20th, we are launching the Money Mastery course. You guys, it might already be sold out by the time you're listening to this, but you can definitely get on the wait list by either going to michelleschween.com or abigailgaz.com and making sure that you sign up and let us know that you're interested because we would definitely love to, uh, we will run this course again. And it is a money mastery course, meaning all of the content that we are talking about in this money mindset series is in the course, but we are going to be with you in a class, like in a zoom class, actually talking to you about your numbers. And what would you love to, you know, would you love to add anything about that? Well, we're going to be there to cheer you on too. I mean, this is no easy task to take on all alone. And, you know, sometimes we do need to, I don't know, be vulnerable and share with others what we're going through, where we're at, what our numbers are and, and have a team to help us get through it. You know, it's, it's something that you can switch 
the dynamic. What I kept thinking of when you were talking was, I remember getting to the point where I was actually excited to go to the mailbox to get my bills because I wanted to see like, okay, where's my number now? Like, where's it at? How low is it? How how much have I gotten paid off? And it can be an amazing feeling. You don't have to continue on this path of anxiety and overwhelm when it comes to your money. So good. So good. And I love what you mentioned about the cheerleading part, right? Like we're here to be with you in that process because there is a huge difference between reading, even listening to this podcast. Like you might have some really great aha moments, but that doesn't mean that you feel empowered to go up against your money, right? To go up against the numbers or to sit there. I remember I couldn't make a budget to save my life and it didn't matter if I knew my numbers. I felt really weak. Uh, it, you know, when looking at that. And Michelle on so many phone calls sat with me and we looked at it and I would cry my way through it. And so like, I understand and we understand that how important it is to have an environment, to have a, a community around you to really normalize the conversation and to really normalize the numbers, you know? And and what we were talking about before is like being allowed or able to share with your friends, like I can't go out, I'm on a savings plan right now, or I have a specific budget and, and it just doesn't happen to fit in there. And so um, I, I appreciate you bringing that, that aspect in. Um, because I think it's just so important to be able to like feel surrounded in love and normalize the conversation around debt because most of us are secretive about it. Well, and most of us have debt. I mean, let's be real, you know, if everybody's got it and everybody's been in a situation where they were in over their head. So might as well just be honest about it and get the help that we need and be surrounded by people who are supportive of us while we're doing it. Yeah. I have to bring in, um, I'm I'm equating this secretive conversation to like when we have an STD or an STI and like, we just don't want to see anything. Go ahead, Michelle. No, that's just, you just cracked me up. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and it's, it is that important. Like you need to go to the doctor, right? Like it doesn't matter that you're embarrassed. It doesn't matter. Go to the doctor. You can. This can be better. You can feel better, right? And it's the same equation. Well, there's the same kind of stigma around it. You know, we don't, we feel so embarrassed and so ashamed and, you know, it, it happens. It happens. And the only <laughs> way that you're going to get through it is to get some help. Yeah. Seriously, it, it reminded me because you're like everybody has it, right? Like there, everybody has a lot of things that they don't talk about. <laughs> so, thank you so much for bringing that in, and um, and so let's talk a little bit about making a plan. You know, we talked about it's okay, it's okay, and 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 get some help. What does it look like to get help, or what does it look like? Like we've, I know that there's like debt calculators, and you know, again, we were talking about people working on this solo, maybe just listening to this podcast versus um, enrolling some help. So, what can we do to start making a plan to get out of debt? So, number one, you probably need to get yourself on a budget, and that's a whole nother podcast. So, I don't even think we'll we have time for that today. But you need to get on some kind of budget. You need to know what your numbers are, you know, what's your income, what are your expenses and what can you throw at that debt, right? Maybe you can look at your your expenses and go, look, I'm spending this much over here when I really should be putting that towards debt every month. 
you got to come up with a plan. And there are things like debt calculators. Um, NerdWallet has a good one. NerdWallet has all kinds of great articles about getting out of debt. Um, I remember, and I'm sure you remember this, Abigail, you were like, I want to get out of debt in six months. And I was like, okay, well, let's open up a debt calculator and see what that's going to look like. And I was like, Abigail, you'd have to spend, I don't remember what it was, like $4,000 a month to get out of debt in six months. Like, that's not realistic. You're not making that right now. So let's come up with a realistic plan. So there's debt calculators. There's things like... um, Debt consolidation, where maybe you, maybe if your credit score is good enough, you can get a like a zero um, interest rate balance transfer credit card. Some people can get those. Um, you do have to have pretty good credit rating, but that what that does is you take, like you said, you had five accounts. Well, maybe you put it all into one consolidated account, so you're making one payment a month to one account. Um, a lot of times by consolidating it, it reduces your, like I said, you could get a 0% interest rate for a specific amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are good things to look at. You can also um, look at debt management plans, which um, usually they'll take like your credit cards um, and any other unsecured debts, which are things like not your car. Your car is um, secured debt is when you're like if you don't pay, they can come and take away something. You've put up the car as kind of collateral. So if you don't pay your car payment, they can come and take your car. But with a credit card, there's nothing for them to come and take. So that's called unsecured debt. So debt management plan, you make a single payment each month to like a credit counseling agency, and they work with your credit card companies and negotiate, um, you know, maybe a lower interest rate for you, or maybe they, you know, negotiate a lower uh, balance for you. So those are kind of good. Um, There's also debt settlement, which I don't always love. It's a little scary. Um, They basically have you withhold payments from your credit card companies for a few months, and it makes your credit score go way down. Um, I guess, you know, those are kind of like last resort things. Maybe your credit score is already trashed and maybe this is, you know, maybe you don't have any other out. So debt settlement is something that you could do. Um, And it's kind of the same thing. Like you usually make a payment to them and they negotiate with your credit card companies. Um, And then there's bankruptcy. And, you know, bankruptcy is really last resort. I mean, that's, know, if you just don't see any way, like maybe you've lost your job and there really isn't any way for you to pay off your debts. Um, It will erase everything, but like your taxes that you owe or child support that you owe or student loans don't usually get lumped into a bankruptcy, but personal loans, credit cards, make it erased. Um, It does stay on your your credit for I think ten years, so it's really hard to go and you know buy a new car or anything else after you've gone bankrupt. But if that's what you have to do to survive, to keep food on the table and a roof over your head, then maybe that's the right option for you. There are options out there, and I would just suggest that you do your research, um, look at articles on, there's, like I said, great articles on NerdWallet about all of these different things. Do your research. There are some good companies out there and then there are some scary companies out there. So make sure they're accredited and, um, you know, just know that there are options out there for you. 
Yeah. I love the tips that you gave because there really are options. And that's the point where it's time to start doing some research. I remember when I was really struggling and needing to consolidate and I could not figure out how to do that because I was in a place where I wouldn't qualify for something like a card, right? So I had to look at, I was meeting and you said debt counseling services. And I think that those were really great because a lot of the debt counseling services are like nonprofits. It's, they're not all out there to make money. They are actually out there to help people like make a difference and, and get out of debt. And so a lot of them are, they may take, um, you know, they may have their own income plan as far as taking interest as well, or something of that sort. But for the most part, being able to get on the phone with someone who can answer some of your questions is what's so important. So when you're considering debt consolidation, I remember calling probably four to six companies to ask what their services are. I was super nervous because I didn't want to, one, I didn't want to ruin my credit. I didn't, you know, I, I hadn't even considered bankruptcy. I was like, what are the outs here? What are my options? It was definitely before, sometimes before I was talking to Michelle. And then when I got to talk to her, she's like, hey, wait a minute, like your money situation like not as bad as you treat it or like as bad as you think. So let's start this over again. And that was really helpful too, because I had no perspective or reference. I just felt terrible. And so I was like being really mean to myself and beating myself up. But when you talk to someone who does understand money and also understands debt and can tell you like, like what the, one of the first things we did, I was like, I want to pay my debt off. Like I'm sick of it. Let's do this in six months. And I think you were being very generous, Michelle. You said 4,000. It was probably more like, I would probably need to pay like 12,000 a month to get out of debt at that rate. And so like, it was just, you know, uh, being able to talk to professionals was what really turned my money situation around. And there are people who are literally dedicated, who love to talk about it just because you don't like to talk numbers and money doesn't mean other people don't. And doesn't mean that you can't get some really tremendous help for a very affordable rate. That's another really important thing is like, I think because we're so used to everything costing money, like so much money that we think getting help is going to cost just as much money. And that's not exactly true. And that it can be worked into your repayment plan, but that your repayment plan with getting help is going to be much more powerful than you trying to do it on your own or just like kind of floundering about it. So I think it's all really, really important. Is there anything else you'd love to add around debt consolidation? Or I have on here on our notes, like foreclosure or repo and things like that is like, guys, there's some pretty, dramatic options. But if you don't start doing that research, like NerdWallet, and then I wanted to remember to say, it, maybe you might know other apps too, but I started with Mint when you were talking about budget, which you guys, we will be talking about budgeting next week in Money 101. We're going to talk a little bit more about what the heck to do with your money from an educated standpoint. So please stay tuned. Please make sure you're coming back for the next episode. But um, yeah, would you like to say anything else about debt consolidation or foreclosure? or bankruptcy? You know, again, I would just suggest that you talk to somebody. You know, a lot of times I think that's the first thing people think of. Oh, I'll just declare bankruptcy and wipe mm. it all out. But, you know, talk to somebody professional, get the help, get somebody to help you because it's not always the best answer. Yeah. Um, you know, it does stay on your credit for a long time and it makes it really hard. Sometimes even... Um, when you go to apply for a job, they'll ask you if you've ever declared bankruptcy. Some companies look down on that. So I would really suggest you do your research and talk to professionals. The other thing that you were talking about was apps. I love Mint. I recommend that to people all the time. It's 
free. It is absolutely free. And you can link all of your bank accounts, all of your credit cards, all of your accounts in one place. So it automatically pulls all of your transactions into Mint. It allows you to categorize those transactions. And then it allows you to, to see it all. Like you can, you can pull up and see, okay, how much did I spend on groceries in the last month or the last three months or the last six months and really start to look at your numbers. I think, you know, I always go back to that. You gotta know your numbers. You gotta know your numbers because if you hide from them, like you said earlier, it's just doing you no good. You're never gonna get to a place that you wanna be if you don't know where you're at, if you don't know where you're starting from. Yeah. And we will talk about knowing your numbers next week. So there are ways to do it. And Mint, adding what you said, it shows your spending. Like it shows, it gives, it actually reports to you. And it's very, it's quite effortless because it even has like a little glider on there. Like I want to spend this much and it'll buzz you when you overspend that month in that budget, in that area of your budget. So it's like, it's a super duper awesome app and free. So again, the stigma or that limiting belief is like getting help cost money is like, no, there are free options. And Mint is definitely a really powerful one, especially if budgeting is uncomfortable for you. And so um, now the the thing we're going to, I want to point out here is in this series so far, we've been talking about the backward stuff, the debt, the mistakes you're making with money, the disempowering mindset that you might have around money. And in these next two episodes that are coming up in the next two weeks is shifting from the conversation of like surviving your finances or surviving surviving the money experience to thriving inside of it. If you had this blank slate, like now what would you do with money? Or how could we, like money is exciting and it's fun and good people do good things with money. And so far um, we've had, we've been diving into the disempowering part as to clear it so that we can shift from surviving to thriving. Because here on the Hearts Unleashed podcast, that's what we're really committed to is what does it take to thrive? What does it look like for you to be authentic and live unleashed around money? And so Michelle, is there anything you'd love to add in about the shift from surviving to thriving? Well, you know, as soon as you start to make that shift, it's it's weird, but money starts showing up. I, I don't know why it's the universe. I think I think when we're in that negative and that dark, overwhelmed spot, it's almost like we're repelling money. Yes. We're not even allowing it to come in. Mm. But once you get to that, once you shift, it's just, I can't explain it, but it happens. Yeah. You shift your mindset and all of a sudden money starts coming in more freely and you start to see progress on those debts and it just cha- it changes everything. So yeah, I'm really excited about the next episodes coming up. Yeah, beautiful. You said something that um, I was actually just talking to a client about this week and I think it's so important the constriction part, right? Like when you're dark, that dark frequency, that, that stagnant energy, the, I literally can feel the tension in my body when I'm not doing all right with money or whatever that might be. And uh, this client and I, we were talking about how like when money is so scarce, the way we won't pay our bill until we absolutely have to, right? And often that ends up in a late fee because maybe if we pay that day, it's not on time, blah, blah, blah. But we want the money in our bank account 
in case of some emergency or just because we don't want to be at a zero balance. But like that level of constriction around money is what actually stops the money flow. And I so appreciate that you said when you're thriving with money, when you make that pivot, money does start showing up and it's not in always in the most like um, predictable way or the traditional way. All of a sudden, like I remember when I committed, I committed to moving to California. I was still a broke entrepreneur figuring herself out. I was working part-time at a gym, like, you know, and so money wasn't great for me, but I committed. I was changing my frequency. I was upping that frequency to move to California and I was committed to it. And all of a sudden I was 28 years old. It was my golden birthday. And my mom goes, I guess it's time to give you all your bonds. And she gave me $4,000 in bonds, like from my birth, right? Like all these, you know, from my uncles and aunts, because we're European and, and that's the thing you do in the Midwest when people are born is you buy them their bonds for like when they're, you know, 30 years old. So here I am, I got $4,000 in bonds and it, it facilitated my move and it set me up for like a month or two in California. And that was really wonderful, but I could have never, that was not a, a money strategy, Right. And so if you are increasing your frequency, if you're raising your frequency around possibility and you're committed, you don't know where that money is going to show up. And if you're winning with money, if you're paying off your debt, the universe is going to respond. I like to say that the universe acts like a 401k plan. If you invest, it invests. If you invest, it invests. What do you want to say about that, Michelle? I love that. I've never heard that before, but I love it. That's so, that's so spot on. I love it. Yeah. And if you don't invest, it doesn't invest. And I think that that's where we start to feel punished or denied or constricted, but we have to take the first step. And I like to like uh, proverbial, proverbial uh, be the first one on the dance floor kind of thing. Right. And so um, you have to take that lead. And in the next two episodes, we're going to talk about taking the lead. We're going to talk about getting on the dance floor with money and having a lot of fun with it. So, um, and just one more time, you guys, this is a series that goes along with a course. So stay tuned about that course. If you want help with money, if you've been loving these conversations and they are supportive for you and they're opening up your mind and possibility around money and you want help, please reach out. Even if this uh, course is currently sold out, we are going to be rerunning this course. We know how powerful it is. We know that it's, it's guys, Money 101. I think I've said it before is when I first met Michelle, I'm like, please talk to me like an infant about money because it's overwhelming. I don't, I I'm scared of it. And I don't understand some of even just the terminology, right? Like I just don't get this. That's why it's like, we got to educate people about interest. We got to educate people about debt and how to get out and make a plan and make a budget. And that's what we're doing. So it's a really simple course, but it's a really effective course. So if you need help around money, please reach out to both of us. You can go to abigailgasta.com. You can go to michelleschween.com. You can reach out to us even on social media, whatever works for you, but don't struggle alone. Is there anything you'd love to say as we start to wrap up, Michelle? No, I think you've said it all. We're here for you. We're here to to work this out with you. You don't have to do it alone. You definitely don't have to do it alone. And and here, you guys, here at the Hearts Unleashed podcast, we talk about turning dreamers into doers. And if you dream about, I dream about a cash-only lifestyle. That's my dream. 
I can't wait to not even count on credit and debt, even with a house, right? And so like, I I have that dream and I believe in it, but it takes some support it, and we're here for that. And turning a dreamer into a doer, just instead of just dreaming and hoping and wishing and praying and talking about it, that you're actually have a plan, you're actually making progress and you're actually hitting those goals. So thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast where we are turning dreamers into doers. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts. Hearts Unleashed.